It's time now for today's edition of Community Conversations. It's the interview program in which we dialogue with voices from the Omaha community. And here's your host for Community Conversations. Let's welcome Cammie Carlisle. Hey, Ryan. Finally, finally, hot, hot, hot Friday, but glad we're here. Today, we have a special guest, Derek Miller, Long Range and Mobility Planning Manager of the City of Omaha Planning Department in the studio. Welcome. Thank you for having having thanks. me here. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for coming. I know that you're busy. There's a lot going on in our city, so thanks for taking time out today. Before we get into the meat and potatoes of all things Omaha, tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from here? Yeah. Um, so I'm born and raised in uh, in Omaha, in Nebraska. Uh, haven't ventured out too far. Um, got my uh, undergraduate degree from UNO in urban studies and a master's in planning from uh, UNL, ah, mm-hmm. and a graduate certificate in public management from UNO. Wow. So you've got it. So you know what you're doing. Yeah, we we <laughs> could tell people that. Yeah. <laughs> well, good thing, because everywhere I look, whether I'm, I live in Midtown, West Omaha, downtown, there's a lot going on in our city. We are growing and it's very exciting. Yeah, a lot, a lot of happening. And um, as being an urban planner with the planning department, we love to see development um, all across our city. Um, just the last 10 years, we're seeing a lot of development occurring around uh, what we call our urban core or downtown area because mm-hmm. we've always seen development in our western parts of the community. But um, now we're seeing it um, all over Omaha. And yeah. even in, during these hard times during COVID, uh, we continue to see development happen. And uh, like I said, as an urban planner, we love to see that. Yeah, I bet. Well, you, the City of Omaha Planning Department, you had a series of engagements uh, that started in early May, and that included open houses and listening sessions. And you guys really found some great information from Omahans, what they want, what they're looking for, what they don't want. Before we get into that, I do want to ask, so I've lived here forever. When did we start seeing lack of affordable housing? Um, generally, in uh, for the general public and uh, people, though people not in the the industry, either in the development community or working for for the city itself, um, it's been the last few years. Uh, however, um, housing affordability um, in Omaha um, has always been an issue for mm-hmm. our, um, our our more vulnerable populations, right. mm-hmm. populations that have uh, hard times uh, trying to make ends meet. Yep. Um, and I think what hurt, happened really during COVID, it exposed issues that we as the city and other partners that work in the housing realm um, have known about for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a huge cost burden for uh, many of our um, citizens um, in, in Omaha. And um, so one of the um, and I always try to look at uh, COVID and what we went through and what we're going through is try to look at opportunities and um, a lot of people um, have been suffering for quite some time mm-hmm. as far as housing stability right um, and uh, COVID basically made that known uh, those issues that people have been facing for for many years made that known to the general public and right um, so I I would think going back to your question. Um, we in the industry have known about these issues for quite some time, but now um, because of COVID and uh, labor shortages and 
supply chain issues and everything else, I mm-hmm. think the the general public now sees, yeah, this is really an issue um, because Omaha for the longest time is was seen nationally, and we all knew this that have lived lived here for many years is that Omaha was an affordable place to live. Right. Um, people always talk about the taxes that that's yeah. not going to go away. No. <laughs> it <laughs> is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> and um, but uh, it was a, a great place to raise a family, and it still is, and it always will be. Um, and housing has always been affordable, but now we're faced with something new in Omaha um, mm-hmm. across the board from um, from affordable housing to high uh, end market rate housing. Um, it's a lot more expensive. Yeah, it is to to build and maintain, and um, and that's something that we're trying to address. I can only imagine. I have a next door neighbor that just she just bought her house next to mine, and she's stripping it, gutting it because she's that kind of person. I say, good for you. But <laughs> she was telling me she's also going to redo the siding, and they can't even get siding until December. And I was like, what? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I believe it because wood. I mean, you can't get that unless you want to pay an arm and a leg. Right. So things are just nuts, and I think you're right. That in Omaha, it really came – people really noticed that when COVID hit. And I think it's because we were all home, and then the people that don't have a home, I mean, it's pretty – it came to a head there, I think, and came to the top of everything and made the rest of us realize the problem that we have here. So you guys had all these events, and I want to talk quickly about – the legislative bill 866 that was passed in 2020 was this kind of like the let's go get this done kind of a thing it was the municipal density and missing middle act can you fill us in a little bit about that bill yeah so that um it actually started as two separate bills um introduced by uh, a couple different senators and um over the 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 process down at the unicameral they decided to combine those two um one of the bills uh, was actually wanting to um, basically legalize um, uh, missing middle housing. So, uh, so I think there's single family homes, there's duplexes, there are threeplexes and quadplexes, mm-hmm. and other smaller type residential units. And there's been some other communities in the in the country that have basically legalized those types of houses anywhere in the community. Um, so there's there's places in Omaha um, historically since we've had zoning where we're the third city in the in the country to have zoning and that's a regulatory um, uh, thing that, that regulates land use. I don't want to get this is overly complex subject, but um, bottom line is that bill, the, one of the original bills that led to 866, wanted to legalize um, missing middle housing throughout Omaha okay. and make it legal permitted by right to build a duplex where um, where you would see other types of residential um, types of land uses. Okay. Uh, that got some pushback from a lot of communities. Mm-hmm. A lot of communities in the state of Nebraska um, will tell you they want local control, and I agree with that. They didn't want the state telling them what to do. Um, so the compromise was uh, LB-866, which there's two major requirements. One requirement is that um, communities over a certain population have to provide a affordable ho- or a, uh, housing or affordable housing report okay. a- every two years. The second requirement, which we did um, last year, and the second requirement is to create uh, affordable affordable housing 
action plan. And that's what we're in the midst of right now. Uh, we started back in May, uh, like you said, with our public engagement piece and went out to the community, held seven open houses, like you said. We also had over 40 listening sessions uh, wow. targeted at different groups from the disabled community to uh, market rate developers to affordable housing developers to uh, attorneys to um the engineering architectural community, um, mm -hmm. the refugee population, um, and their various refugee groups within Omaha. And so we got a, a lot of great information. Um, and we had uh, quite a few people attend the open houses. And then in addition to that, we um, uh, had a survey sent out to anyone that would take it. And as planners, mm -hmm. we like to engage with the community. We like to meet with the community. And this is one of the, uh, stepping back, those open houses uh, was one of the first times that we were able to meet the community in person. And it's, 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 you can do community engagement online, mm -hmm. virtually. That's not great. That's not right. fun for us yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> um, so these open houses were the first time we got to go out into the community and hear from the public of their, of their wants and desires and, 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 and issues and needs. And also one major piece of that was identifying barriers, mm -hmm. uh, to, mm -hmm. to get into housing. So, um, that action plan is still in development. Uh, we, like I said, we started in May by uh, state law, which um, by passing LB 866, we have to be completed. That, that action plan has to be completed and adopted by our city council by the end of the year. So oh. we're, we're really under the gun to yes, come up with a lot of great ideas on how we can impact housing affordability in Omaha. So uh, right now we're in the process of developing our our main goals, and then so, uh, under each goal, we'll have strategies on how to um, address this issue. And uh, hopefully, early September, we'll have that draft, draft completed. We'll let that out uh, to the public for a comment period, and then take it to planning board and then city council for approval. So it's really quick. Ooh, yeah, you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, <laughs> Jeez, yeah. Jeez, Louise, that's <laughs> a lot. Well, I'm ab absolutely thrilled that you include, I mean, refugees. You guys really thought of everybody to talk to, and I love that because. It's a big melting pot here, just like it is in any city. So I'm really glad that you reached out to everybody. With these open houses and everything else, was there any answers that really kind of stood out to you that you were surprised by? Like, wow, I never thought of that. Or anything that maybe you didn't think of that somebody wanted or requested or needs? Or A lot of the information that we received, we've heard um, from a lot of people in the past. Um, we had a, an effort a few years ago called... Uh, Affirmatively Furthering Fair Housing. Um, and it's, that's really hard for me to say. But, um, and a lot of information we gathered then is, is uh, very similar to what we gathered this, time, this go around. Um, okay. People don't know um, what resources are available in our community from, our, from both the city and our nonprofit mm -hmm. um, and for-profit partners. Um, they they um, need help in navigating that process, anywhere from getting financing from a loan to uh, maybe even finding a real estate agent to, to navigate that process. And so that was one thing that we heard back then. We heard again this time, but mm -hmm. it's... Um, um, was a major aspect of the things that we need to uh, better connect people with the resources that are out there. Um, and some of the other things that we heard, too, is just education. Um, yeah. And, again, this isn't all about market rate housing. This is all the way from affordable housing to market rate. Mm -hmm. Purchasing um, a, a home or a condo 
or on the rental side. So on right. the rental side, I think there's a lot of people in our community that don't know their rights. And, and we, and, and that was affirmed during this process mm-hmm. that a lot of people don't know what rights they have as renters. Right. And sometimes renters feel that they're at the mercy of their landlord, which they have rights and the landlord has rights at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we heard that, uh, 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 this time and last time, but, um, it was this, this go around, we heard it more. I bet. You know, I was just thinking, we didn't learn that in high school, did we? We didn't learn that in college. Anything about buying a house. And everybody has to have shelter of some sort if you're a human being. And that sounds like something that maybe we should start teaching. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. I, 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 and either from on the rental side, cause, um, because of the 2008 recession, we see a lot more people that don't want to buy a house or are not mm-hmm. able to buy a house, so they're renting. Right. And after the after that recession, early 2010s, you know, 11, 12, 13, mm-hmm. more people were just renting because right. they didn't want the headache of a house or they couldn't afford it. Um, but they didn't teach that. You know, they didn't teach you no, how to go rent an apartment. I learned in college. Right. I just went and did it and said, oh, this is how we do it. Yeah. And buying a house, there's a lot of hoops. There's a lot of steps. And I think that would be such a wonderful thing to offer. Now, you said education. So will the city be offering Something like this, maybe? It's quite possible. Okay, Um, We have a fantastic uh, collaboration with all of our partners in this space. And um, one thing that on the onset of development of this plan is to create a holistic housing strategy or plan. And um, to be honest, we're not always on the same page. Mm -hmm. Our nonprofit partners, for-profit partners, and and the city. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping... With this plan, we can get more of a holistic um, um, plan to move forward with. So we're all on the same page. Everyone knows what each each other's responsibilities are. Good. And education is a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so having said all that, I don't know if it will be up to the city or maybe it's because we have so many great nonprofit partners in we the do. community. So mm-hmm. we, maybe it's something that we can lean on them yeah. to help with it. Yeah, that that would be great. And I love to hear that the nonprofits, for-profits, and the city are all working together to try to fix this, I don't want to say problem, but fix the situation and make it maybe a little bit easier for folks to get into an apartment or a house and to educate them how to do that. Yeah. Because, again, we all need shelter, and we live in a spot in the middle of the United States where it gets really cold and it gets really hot. Yeah. And so I don't know about you, but I feel mighty grateful for having a roof over my head, you know? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about the Fair Housing Act and how it might affect things here. So in 1968, the Fair Housing Act was passed. Um, was that Lyndon Johnson? Um, so it basically protects people from discrimination, either in rent, renting an apartment or buying a house or getting financing. So that really set the stage for protecting people because mm-hmm. there were there have been and probably still are unsavory practices that occur in the real estate environment. And that act tried to address that. And we continue to follow that. And it's um, especially for our... Um, um, underserved populations, unheard populations. It's to me and the city. It's very important that um, when that was passed, and then all our work today, that that we help them out. Yeah, absolutely. Because I I won't name names, mostly because I can't remember the guy's name. But we it was what two years ago. 
three years ago when that guy was like letting the refugees live in just terrible, deplorable conditions, and he got busted. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know how often that goes on, but it's just heartbreaking to know that exists. Like these people come here, they think, yeah, I've got this apartment, but it's like worse than anything you could yeah. ever think of. And they think, oh, well, this is America. This is how it works. No, that is not. That's not how it works. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, yeah. And that situation has occurred more recently too. And that was, that was the Yale Park Apartments. And mm-hmm. um, that was a horrible situation. Yeah. It was stunning. And, and then it, it, it occurred in another situation recently. And thankfully, Again, uh, it sounds like I have stock in our nonprofit partners, which is <laughs> obviously impossible. But um, they they came together with us and helped resettle those mm-hmm. um, families uh, in both situations that I know of, and and it really shouldn't get to that point. Right, I agree. I was just mortified. The pictures and everything else. I was like, "Are you even kidding me? That's horrible." So other unsavory practices. I just bought a house, and I, I didn't know I was competing with the guys from Ohio. Who knew? So in 2019, I think I read this on your website, that 50% of sales of Omaha home sales were to investors. How? <laughs> I mean, what is this? Is this a new thing that's happening? And yeah. why, why are they doing this? Yeah, and I, I think it's a new thing for Omaha. Um, Omaha, and being from Omaha, I, I can see this. Um, talking to to family members, but a lot of family members and friends, they think Omaha is still Omaha of the 1980s or whatever. So they think it's still a small community. Um, However, it's not. No. Um, Our metro area by, I think it's 2030, will be over a million in population. Wow. And so I think what's happening is um, Omaha has got to the point where now we're starting to attract investors developers from other communities. Uh, we see it on the developer side. We're seeing more national developers come to Omaha. And now with this um, um, situation with this Ohio company that's coming in, buying homes mm-hmm. way above um, asking price, mm-hmm. and then turning those properties into into rental investment properties. Okay. I think it's mostly because Omaha's size. Ah. And, um, and, and, and they were growing. And we've met that threshold that uh, we compare to other metros. I mean, we're the 42nd largest community in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think these these uh, investment firms and, and also REITs, Real Estate Investment Trusts, are, are Omaha's now up on, is on the radar. So yeah. this has been occurring in other communities. Um, it's very frustrating for me. Uh, that it occurs, and it's very, uh, very frustrating in, in parts of our community that um, is, uh, has seen deterioration mm-hmm. over time. And um, it's it's really holding back the opportunity for people to enter and into into the real estate yep. area of buying their own home. Yeah, absolutely. We saved for 10 years, and we finally were able to go look. And we made nine bids, and eight times we were outbid, like, by 20 grand or more. And at first, I had no idea. I just thought, oh, wow, this person must really want this house. And then by the third time, I'm like, what is happening? Why does this keep happening at such a huge amount over Ohio people? And I was just stunned. Like, this is not cool. Yeah, and it's, unfortunately, you know, real estate, um, it's 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 a process of anyone can buy it if you have the funding or if mm-hmm. you can get the financing and it's something on the on the municipal level that um we don't regulate right. we're not able to regulate uh, i wish there was a way we can regulate that but it, it's the fair market yep and they are allowed to do that 
I know in other communities, the, some nonprofits have organized, and I think in Omaha, I, I'm not for certain, but um, have organized and started to see these houses come up in the market, and they go in there and then they purchase them ah. in the intent to then um, sell them to someone that wants to buy and live in them oh. rather than turning them into rental property. So I, I think it's right. the whole real estate industry has changed since the 1950s that now it's, it's, it's uh, unfortunately – Homes are seen as an investment. Right. They're income develop or income um, properties, mm-hmm. and not seen as a place for someone to to grow a family or uh, people to to grow their wealth or their own right. wealth. It's it's an investment, and um, it's America. It's capitalism, yeah. Yeah. but at the same time. Um, it's it's very um, very sad to see. It is. It's heartbreaking, especially because, like I said, when we'd go to open houses, I mean, the place would be full with people, you know. And a lot of those were starter homes. We looked at everything from tiny homes to big houses to everything in between, and it was just stunning. Because then, when they buy it, they flip it and they do whatever, and then they charge an amount that nobody can really afford for rent. Yeah. And it's just outrageous. So a lot of those houses are sitting empty while we have this homeless problem. Right. So as in, as far as a, uh, a part. Apartments go, rentals. Omaha has very low vacancy rates, 2% or less. Yeah. yeah. That's so, scary. Yeah, we just did a recent, um, another survey. So in Omaha, I've, we passed a few years ago rental registry where if you have rental property, you have to register it with us. Okay. Yeah, with the city. Mm-hmm. And um, we utilized that list and contacted um, everyone that has rental property in Omaha and did a it was more of a market type survey and that survey came back i don't know where we're at right now i think the survey is still open but um we got back information from property owners that own 10,000 units in omaha okay. and they all reported a 2% vacancy rate which oh. you don't even you don't even when you um are are developing multifamily housing you assume that you're going to have 5 or 7% vacancy rate you're not going to assume you're going to have uh 2% basically mm-hmm. bottom line how you can get your cash flow to work to make sure that your project is profitable. So at 2%, that's unheard of. Right. Yeah. So there's all these new apartments and multifamily things going up all over the place, right? So with these apartments that are going up, are there any affordable ones like being built within those apartment complexes? Are those something separate? And what are we going to do to make sure that we do have enough affordable apartments for people here. Yeah, so unfortunately right now there is a lot of market rate housing um, in in, in the multifamily um, sector of the real estate market. At the same time, um, we're seeing quite a few uh, multifamily uh, affordable housing developments happen. Um, We're not seeing a lot of mixed income um, multifamily um, projects being developed. And to me, that's the pinnacle. That's the for mar- for multifamily. That's exactly what we need is the mixed income, mm-hmm. right? Because you have then you have a, a mix of of income levels that are living near each other, mm-hmm. uh, different types of people living near each other. Right. And that's to me, that's what we really want to see. Um, right now, we don't have a requirement that if you build multifamily that you have to build 10%. Oh. 10% of the units should be multifamily. That, um, that's not a requirement that we have today. Okay. We did hear that during our listening sessions. Is that something that uh, the city should consider and maybe even require? Mm-hmm. Um, other communities do that, and um, it works out really well. 
the, some of the issues with that is just the financing, how you right. finance that. And it's, it's no secret that the more expensive units basically help fund the um, affordable units. Right, exactly. And we do need that desperately. Yeah. yeah. So on your website, I also saw that one in four Omaha households spend more than one-third of their income on rent. Yikes, that's a lot of money. That's a big chunk of change. How does this compare to the rest of the United States? Are we all this way across the board or – yeah, so um, I would say yes. Generally, yes. We're uh, it's um, it's it's pretty much the same from community to community. However, you get to your bigger metro areas, and that amount of uh, for your lower income populations, that income or that that split is much higher. You're, they're paying much more for uh, for housing than everything else. So it's it's not dissimilar than than other communities in the country. That's stunning because I don't see how this is sustainable. If we're all not getting raises to go along with the higher cost of everything else, it's like how how does this even work? Yeah, you know, I mean, I guess we just make it somehow make it work. Now, I hope I don't catch you off guard with this question. The last time I rented an apartment, this is a long time ago, <laughs> right? It was like a 40th and Cass, three hundred fifty dollars for a one bedroom apartment. Do I dare ask what a one-bedroom, do you know, oh, an average I, amount? I think it's um, right now what, I, what I've heard, and I'd have to go back and look at the market data that we received, but I think it's 900 to to 1000 Whoa. Yes. For a one-bedroom? For a one-bedroom. Oh. And, and I think it's even like 800 for a studio. Yeah, um, I saw that. On one of the new places on 72nd and Dodge for the studio apartment, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, that's incredible. Yeah. For a studio. I don't know how people are doing it in Omaha, I don't honestly. And in, in our, in our, uh, the, the service sector of our community that are sometimes working two jobs yep. um, just to make ends meet. And then when COVID happened, um, for them not to basically be able to work, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I don't want to even imagine uh, yeah. what they had to do. And one, one interesting thing, um, there was one... Um, developer and he he holds his multifamily units we had conversations with him during covid and and he he actually um reached out to uh all of his renters mm-hmm. you know through his management company and asked them do you need assistance do you need to to waive your rent for so many months and i was i was shocked so wow, many no people kidding. yeah well he did it he's 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 a really good um, person and a really great developer, one of my favorites. But um, so he reached out proactively, mm-hmm. and what he heard back is everyone said, "I'm fine, I got it." And I don't know if that was because they were too proud to take the assistance. Right. Because for those um, for those property owners, for this property owner also, it's better to keep the renters in the in the units because sure. it, it's it's in the end it costs them more money mm-hmm. to basically. Um, have them leave and try to find somebody else. Right. Um, so we actually did that proactively, and I was kind of surprised that. Um, and again, this could be this. This is just from that one property owner. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been worse for others. Yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to city processes, programs, and codes, do we need to make changes to keep up with the current housing situation? And if so, from your viewpoint, working for the planning, what changes would those be? Yeah, so um, by LB-866, that's one of the things that we have to address is uh, changes in zoning, changes in our building code. What 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 recommendations? So the plan, when, when it's adopted, is not going to make these um, changes in ordinances happen overnight. Okay. Um, but it, we have to have, we must have, um, what are our recommendations to change our, our regulations around housing? And... Um, 
I think there's quite a few things we can do. Uh, we're developing those strategies today, but uh, there's there's one in particular that uh, comes to mind. So, if someone wants to build a um, a threeplex or a fourplex, so mm-hmm. you have three basically units combined right. into one building, or four units combined into one building. Mm-hmm. Um, anything over two units, they have to follow the commercial um, code, building okay. code which then adds a lot of cost to that project. So that's one reason I think we don't see a lot of those smaller three and four plexes, five plexes, is because it's so much more expensive to build. So other communities have changed their building code to make it um, uh, to – to have regular, to have building codes not so stringent and strict, and require all these additional things, and treat it like a commercial property, and um, so I think some things like that will help. Okay, good. On the affordability side, again, this is um, this is not just a, a affordable housing action plan. In our mind, it's a housing affordability. So it's the bigger, it's a, a more broad plan. Other things, um, one, some simple things that other communities have done was allowed uh, accessory dwelling units, which is planners speak for a granny flat or a mother-in-law suite. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they always say granny flat or mother-in-law suite. Uh, what about uh, grandfather? So, right, well, you guys, sorry. <laughs> so it's, it's a unit where you could put a separate uh, residential unit in your basement and mm-hmm. rent that out. Right. Or you could build a separate cottage in the backyard. Um, simple. And right now we do allow them, but the process is very cumbersome. Yeah. Um, so other communities have found success in um, making those, uh, allowing those units by right. People just come and get a building uh, permit. And what that does is, is it adds more units to the market. And uh, right now with a 2% vacancy rate, that'll help. So one, one piece of the puzzle, it's a very complicated and big puzzle, um, is adding more units and building more units, and and we got to be able to do that to then impact um, right. the housing affordability. Boy, you got a you got a seriously heavy job, Mister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're almost out of time, and I have so many more questions. So I guess I'll just email them to you because I could talk to you forever about this. Yes, definitely. I find it very interesting, and I do. After speaking with you, I feel a little bit more hopeful about the situation here because I know we're kind of in a bit of dire straits. So I'm glad that you and the nonprofits and everybody else are working together to try to remedy the situation here in Omaha. So, Derek, thank you so much for coming in today. Now, if anybody wanted to look at this, is there a website they can go to peep this information at or yeah the best way to get to the the project website the uh, housing affordability action plan website is actually go to cityofomaha.org okay. okay navigate to the planning department and then right on the planning department's main page is uh, a link to the uh, housing affordability action plan Perfect. and the nice thing is is coming up we're going to release a virtual open house oh, so good. people can go in Click in this room uh, and then start to look at all the input that we received during the open houses and listening sessions and take a look at uh, what we've heard so far. Excellent. I do encourage you all to go look at that. I really enjoyed reading through that. There was so much great and valuable information. So, Derek Miller, thank you so much for coming in. Again, so many more questions. We'll we'll talk another time. I'm Cammie Carlisle. You've been listening to You've been listening to Community Conversations on Radio Talking Book. It's the interview program that brings you voices from the Omaha community. The Radio Talking Book Network is brought to you with the cooperation of KIOS-FM in Omaha and statewide through the facilities of NET Radio and Television. We've been proudly serving our blind and visually impaired listeners for 46 years. Thank you for being a loyal Radio Talking Book listener and supporter.